Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And what you would do is um, um, you would randomly draw a card. We would each pick one out. And like a jack would be a bend, like a bow. And then like um, like a king would be like a slide or something. And then like a one would be like a dent. And then a like a a three would be a dent. So we just drew cards and threw the cards on the floor. And then that's how Middle Fingers Up was written. We just drew cards. Use EMG pickups because they help you get the heaviest tone possible. Head over to emgpickups.com and use my promo code HEAVY at checkout and get 15% off. And then once you write the heaviest song of all time, head over to distrokid.com slash VIP slash Garza and save 30% off your membership to get all your songs on all streaming platforms. And now to the heaviest podcast of all time. Well, thank you for the white claws. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And also, this is, uh, Afrons, hey, this is to you and your band Attila, and congratulations for 10 years. Thank of, you so much. Of, about that life. Cheers. Thank you. Uh, you guys come a long way, man. Like, like, when that record came out, like, I remember, like, it was a combination of, like, people, people that loved it, obviously loved it, but then you had, like, the opposite reaction, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of opposite. I would say... It was more the opposite. Um, when the album came out, it was the most hated album of all time, according <laughs> to like 15, 20 different major rock news outlets. And that was my first time experiencing like mass hate. So it was kind of a learning experience because I was like, damn, like I really like what I made, but the whole world says this is the worst album in all of humanity and 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 then it was funny because all the negative press turned into positive press because three months later it became like the biggest album ever, mm-hmm. and everyone was stoked to see it. And uh, Kevin Lyman was begging us to headline Warp Tour and just all this shit. It was like okay, so I guess all the hate turned into something good. Yeah, and it did. At that point, did you have thick skin yet? Uh, I would say yes, I did because. I just have, I've been like famous since I was like 16 from being on MTV made. So I've been used to people just like digging into me. Mm. I had thick skin, but in, in the musical sense, I'd never had that much like flack musically in my life. Yeah. But I, I did have thick skin and I was like, also I was young. I was like 23. So I was at the age where it's like, it doesn't matter what anyone says. It's just like, fuck you eat shit. You could tell me anything. Fuck you. I'm going to double down and go crazy. You got to double down. Yeah. I think people uh, deep, deep down in, on, on a primal level, they like when you double down on shit. Yeah, they you do. Know? They don't fucking want you to just bitch out, dude. If you bitch out and back down, then it's like, okay, you just admitted that you suck. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> you yeah. double down, it's like, damn, all right, we got to fight this guy now. <laughs> you know what? I didn't even think when you were on MTV Made, you were younger. You were still in high school. And I, I, I didn't even think about yeah, it was 16. Like, how how you handled that. So that was wild. I mean, just being famous as a 16 year old is just a wild thing to happen. So, you know, obviously people would say things or whatever. And being on the show itself, like I was like a chubby metal kid that got made into a model. So they kind of tore into me on that. I always tell people what you don't know, but before you go on reality TV, they make you do like a really comprehensive like psychiatric test to make sure that you're not going to kill yourself because they're going to like drill into you and like try to, you know, get under your skin. So you have to pass like a really crazy psychiatric test before you're even allowed to go on a reality TV show. How old are you again? 16. You went through that when you were 16? Yeah. I wouldn't be able to handle that. <laughs> I, I would have crumbled that, and 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 there, <laughs> there I am. You were a little ch- chubby kid. Oh yeah, I was a chubby kid. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, dude. <laughs> and still, and now, and now, look, 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 look how far you come. Still, you you dealt with everything. And you know what, Franz, you did. 
if, I think if you go through that kind of mental evaluation, emotional evaluation, I wouldn't have got through that. And, 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 and you did. That, and, and that's something to be, to be proud of. Thank you. Thank you. Know? you. And, and you still, you're still you. Yeah. So I, I guess I've been dealing with uh, spotlight, fame, whatever you want to call it, from an early age. And, you know, I, so I, I don't, the critics and all that stuff doesn't really bother me. You could say anything you want. If anything, I prefer like a comfortable medium of 50% hate, 50% love, because I think that's kind of what keeps you really in the headlines. Mm-hmm. If it's all love, then it's just cool. No one cares. If it's all hate, then no one cares. But when you got yeah. that fifty-fifty balance yeah. of love and hate, I think it keeps people talking about you and helps you grow. Yeah, and you always understood that. Like you understood there was like an entertainment factor. Yeah, you know, not, not a lot of people do because like, musicians tend to be like they're really good at the one thing, at the one thing, whether it's uh, being a singer or a drummer, a bass guitar player, etc. Yeah, and, but they just lack everything else. Like let's say a business, uh, <laughs> or like you know, how do you? get out there you know this it's like it's a whole other it's a whole other hat to wear yeah exactly you know and you and you seem to collect all the hats when you're <laughs> a, very, a very young age you know you i mean you founded you know attila yeah you know you found uh four friends from high school and then just went just 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 went from there yep and here we are you know a lot a lot of work but i think what i have that a lot of people don't is a good like business ethic mindset um I think a lot of people are just strictly musicians only and they don't understand anything about business. So having terrible. the knowledge of both is definitely helpful to our career. Where did you get that from? Um, honestly, I can take my glasses off. I'll be a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, I have no idea because it's not like it's not even like in my family. I think my family just always pushed me to like be the best and and I never got it's like. I grew up in a family where, like, you don't get a fucking trophy unless you win. And if you don't win, fuck you, do better. Like, you can win. So mm-hmm. I got pushed yeah. really hard, like, kind of opposite of the way people raise their kids nowadays, no. where it's like, yeah. oh, you got last place, here's a trophy. It's like, no, fuck you, dude, you suck. Like, get better. Like, if you want to do this, like, let's practice more. But um, ever since a young age, I just have always been an entrepreneur. I started selling golf balls when I was seven years old. No. Um. Yeah, so my my dad worked at a grocery store. My grandpa worked at a golfing range. So my grandpa would bring a giant trash bag of golf balls. We got some Santa Ana murders going on. Someone's someone's getting robbed outside. Yeah, all right, that's awesome. So my my grandpa (laughs) would bring over like a giant uh, trash bag of golf balls, and my dad would bring from the grocery store empty egg cartons, and I would sort them based on. what uh, brand they were, the quality of the golf ball, everything. And I lived in like a poor middle neighborhood, but next to me was a rich neighborhood. So I would drag my wagon at seven years old to the rich neighborhood. And I would look in the garages to see which uh, garages had golf bags. And I would just hustle golf balls. And I had like a subscription service at age seven where I, I would hand deliver golf balls to you once a month. So I was just like making money and hustling since I was seven. And it progressed into so many different things. Do you, do you, uh, do you think you got that from, from your parents? Cause if you have parents that really push you in the, what's, what's the word like, like the positive way, but don't baby you. Like there's like this weird, like my parents definitely helped me in the fact that they like didn't baby me, but they're not entrepreneurs, you know, they're, they're regular. So hmm. I don't know. I don't have like an entrepreneur in my family except me. It's just just happened i just had the drive to do it hmm. just happened and you you literally applied that into your everything teens, i do in life everything so this started when you were a, a child literally a child and then uh after that i started a lawn care business where my strategy was i would go to all the houses that had like really overgrown lawns i would put my mower in the front yard turn it on turn everything on and then knock on the door and they'd they'd be like what the hell and then they'd see me like as like a that's probably when I was like nine they'd see like a nine-year-old kid in their front yard with the lawnmower already turned on and I would just be like hey um I'm here to mow your lawn and it's twenty dollars and my lawnmower's already on and then like nine times out of ten they would just grab a 20 and hand it to me and so I was I was just a hustler you know what I mean like 
it's smart when you when you already have it on. It's kind of like, hey, I mean, I turn it on, so it's like, can you just? I gotta do it. Also, you know, your lawn sucks because you haven't mowed it in like two months. So just give me fucking twenty dollars, dude. Hmm. It worked every time. Do you think people could still approach the door to door thing now? Uh, I think people could still do stuff like that. I just think that people are just stupidly fucking lazy now. Like, I don't think well, people are lazy. I think the younger generation just wants to like look at TikToks all day. Like, why would you go hustle and make money when you could just, mm-hmm. you know, look at TikTok? I didn't have anything like that. Like, I might have had like a PS One. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like something shitty to do. But like, I already was bored of video games. I wanted to make money. Yeah, get shit done. It's funny because most singers are really into video games for some reason, and and you weren't. No, you're right. And you and, and you weren't. Um, I mean, I like video games, but I'm just like an average player. Like I play yeah. like an average amount of time as anyone does. I'm yeah. not like a super nerd like some people when it comes to video games. Yeah, so I'll get a PS One and get Tiger Woods, you know, t- 2001, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I mean that's what I did. So I'm, that's why I'm saying. <laughs> I was out there playing Destruction Derby and shit. Boom. And oh, wait, who's controlling this, by the way? It's Jay. Jerry. Oh, behind there? Yeah. So everything that's talked about, you're just pulling up shit? Boom. Oh, that's so cool. Fuck yeah. Constantly. I like, I like this. This is cool. I've what, never done this before. What? Uh, what I'm year? a virgin. Uh, oh, yeah, it did come out in year uh, 2000. About a good... And they put Tiger Woods on every golf game for, for PlayStation. Oh, yeah, you had to. He was sick, dude. Tiger Woods is the GOAT, man. He was. So naturally... You're just not, you're just not lazy. A lot of people are, dude. Well, I just know that if you want something, you have to get it. Like, there's no such thing as luck. There's no such thing as, like, shit just falling on your plate. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was my game, bro. Destruction fucking derby, dude. I've never seen this. <laughs> oh, it was fire. Derby. You just, all you did was just crash into people and kill them. Like, it was great. It was epic. So basically, your day as a child, you'll play this for about five minutes, and then you'll go out. And, and make money. And they'll... Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's sick. Yeah, I play a little Destruction Derby. I didn't really have many friends growing up either. Like, honestly, I just, I mean, it's not that I wasn't social because I could talk to anyone. It was just like, I just didn't have a lot of friends, man. I just, I, I would hang out by myself and just figure out ways to make money. Yeah, look, you just crash. Like, all you, it's graphics are total dog shit, but it was just cool. You just, These graphics are terrible. You just crash. Like, that's all I wanted to do is just crash cars. I mean, basically, what you are living is video game. You just finally go fast huh? and it's crash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let's fucking ride it till the, the wheels just crash off, you know? Yeah, you'd be in a big circle just smashing each other up. Oh, God. Oh, this is bringing me back. So, you, so you didn't have, so you're, you're hustling lawns. Uh, you didn't have like, like your one or two good best friends on like the same block you hung out with, like anything, anything like like that. I had like one or two. Yeah, that was it. That was it. Yeah, just one or two. But uh, what was it like consistent or? I would say it was consistent, but there was like one year. Actually, only a few people know this. This is pretty sad, but there's probably like one or two years of my life where I didn't have a single friend at all, <laughs> like zero. But it was cool because what I did during that time period is I kind of just put my head in books and I just read a lot. I got like real, I like leveled up. I was like, I don't have any friends because something happened where I only had like one friend and then me and that one friend had a falling out. And keep in mind, Mm. this is like probably like middle school days. Like, you know, we're talking like seven, eight, nine years old. It's probably around there. But I had a full year where I didn't have one single friend, like not one, but I just put my head in books and listened to music and just got smart and figured shit out. So you were so seven, seven, eight, nine, you said? Yeah. Sometime around that period, like probably I had a full year where I didn't have a single friend, like not one, like That's, nobody. That is sad. Yeah. I mean, I don't That's... mean to be depressing cause I wasn't, the thing is I wasn't sad about it. I was just like, I'm kind of like a nerd. I was just like, cool. I'm just going to read books all year. I just leveled up. <laughs> you were reading books before you were 10. Yeah. Dude, that is extremely advanced. Because I, I came from like a nerdy family, I guess, on my dad's side at least. Like they would just only buy me books for Christmas. Like mm-hmm. the other side of the family might give me video games. This side just will give me a book. So I'm like, gotta, gotta read this shit. What'd you read? Harry Potter. Harry Potter. That was the first book I ever read. I was like too young to read it, but I just 
figured it out and fell in love. And then obviously there's fucking like what ten of them. Yeah, there's well, there's like so, a, there's like a series, right? I'm not I'm not familiar oh, with the Harry huge. Potter. So series. I had like the whole fucking thing. There's so there's so many. So and they're giant. Some of the books are some of them are a little thin. Some of them are a little thick. So like I I could. So I mean, I could, I could own, read for years. So did that you, did you own that? That yeah, I I owned the whole set. So that that year I didn't have you friends. Dork, I probably read through all of that of quite a few times, and you know I'm just getting my vocabulary up, just getting my smarts up, man. So, do you taught yourself how to read? Hmm. Like, did you understand what what these books meant? What what you were reading, or you're just saying, "Oh, this is this is a cool story. I'm just gonna follow it." The, best i can or i mean like i said i was probably like nine so i don't think that's unreasonable to read at like age nine is that like nine ten you you know how they have like the what's that called like the like the like the grade reading reading level where it's like like fourth grade reading level fifth grade reading level oh yeah what what is the harry potter books is that what what grade reading level is that i want to say that is a good question i want to say that's like Middle school? High school? All right, nine to twelve years old. Oh shit. So, so there we go. So it's not it's not out okay. of the reach. Also, I don't know if you know I so you now you know that I was a chubby kid growing up. Mm-hmm. And everyone remembers that in school, the more books you read, you got free personal pan pizza from Pizza That's Hut. That's the rumor. It's not a rumor. That was my life I lived. So the more fucking books I read, bro, the more free pizza I got. And I was a chubby kid with Dude. no friends. So I read all the fucking books and I got all the free personal pan pizzas, bro. I tricked the system. So that's really why you were reading. I mean, kind of, but also I just liked reading because I just like to fuck off, like lock my door and just read a, read a book in a day. Just be mm. a little nerd. And imagine that like back then, like there's nothing to distract you. Yeah. Nothing. I don't have any friends hitting me up. It's me, just me, me and my book and my personal pan pizza, dog. That's a, <laughs> you know, this sadness might turn into like a ha- happy story because that sounds a pretty, like a nice life. Maybe it'll inspire people, like worry less about what people, like worry less about the internet and TikTok and just read a book and get a personal pan pizza. You'll mm-hmm. get smarter and your belly is going to be happy. It's crazy how you just took that and ran with it, dude. Yeah. And it's, it's. It kind of, I guess, sucks in a way that in order to kind of make any kind of major leap in your life as far as either your career or what what you want to do, it kind of you kind of need to go away for a while from friends. Yeah. I notice, and it's been like a really hard thing to to deal with. Even especially if you get older, you want you want to do something. For us, it's like it's you're either like make, make, making a record or something. You got to kind of have to like disappear. Yeah. It's like, oh no, I, I, I was full back because then because then you can't like. Build on your relationships, you know, and then it, it, may, it makes it kind of fucked up. Yeah, you know, of course. It's like you'll like you'll forget birthdays, and then they you, you feel bad that they might feel bad that like you forgot about them. It's like this weird thing when you when, when you're when you have your mindset on something, that's fucking it. And yeah. if, if you don't have a if you're not married or kids, like nothing else really matters. It's like a weird it's a weird thing. Also, being on tour just makes life difficult because you do, like, forget friends' birthdays and shit. Dude, and it sucks. You know, you're not around enough. So, like, the more you go on tour, the less you get invited to do shit. Because mm-hmm. all it takes is, like, two invites. Like, bro, like, come to my birthday party. Sorry, I'm on tour. Like, bro, come here. Like, sorry, I'm on tour. And then they don't hit you up a third time. <laughs> no, no. It's like it's like one, one, two, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people, like, all the time, like, hey hit me up like seriously like 10 or more times i know it sounds stupid but like there'll, there'll be one time where it hits we're like hey I, I'll, I'll go down the street for like a beer and like a pizza you yeah. know it's like i have i have like a good like hour or two like block i could just leave yeah you know because uh, your brain wants to try to plan it wants to hang out but when there's like a reality of time you're just gonna be busy yeah is it you know uh oh, sucks dude it sucks it's better man. to be busy than not busy though it is so we did a tour together. It was Rage Fest. Yeah. Yeah. And also the the first one was All Stars. Yeah. And I, I do want to talk about that. Okay. Also. Because I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure I've told you and, and everyone I talk about it a lot. But mm-hmm. Mitch changed my life. And no one else has done, like for me as a vocalist, what Mitch did for me. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for Mitch. Because Mm. that first tour we did together, the All-Stars, I was the baby band on the tour, the opener. You You guys were the the headliner. Yeah. 
we were the lowest band. Suicide Silence was the highest band. Suicide Silence, like, that was my favorite band in the world. And I knew, like, I'm never going to meet the guys. I'm never going to hang out with them, probably. They're headlining in the bus. I'm in the little van. Um, yeah, I think I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, it might have been even earlier than 2012, I think. Hmm. Um, it might have been even earlier, but I just remember, like, hanging out with you guys and you were all so cool and Mitch saw me and kind of like grabbed me and was like, come here, dude, drink a beer with me. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? Like I'm the opening band. Like, why are you being nice to me? You know, like, yeah. and he was just like, I fucking love you, dude. Come here. And like, he would always every day be like, come to the bar with me. And we would just talk, talk, talk. And like my like young mind was just blown that my idol was like nice because they always say, don't meet your idols. Like, mm -hmm. they're they're all bad. Mm -hmm. And Mitch was my idol, and he was so fucking nice. And every day, you remember on that tour, I rode on your bus more than I rode in my van. Yeah. Just because every fucking day, Mitch would be like, I was trying to be, like, respectful and be like, let me go back in my van. And he's like, no, we have extra bunks. You're sleeping in here. And I'm like, mm. what? I've never been in a bus before. What the fuck is this? Wow. Every day he would take me under his wing, take me to bars with him. And I was like, I felt really bad too. Cause I was like, man, like I don't have any money to my name. Like I don't, I want to go to the bar with you, but like, I can't afford like to drink three beers. Like I can't, I don't have any money. And Mitch was like, dude, I got you every day and everything he told me and the way he acted basically set an example for me for how I act to all bands opening a tours for Attila now I'll mm -hmm. never forget like and if I ever catch myself slightly being a dickhead I'll just close my eyes and think of Mitch because he changed my life and had such a big impact on me and I want to be that person for other bands where it's like Attila's headlining but they're not dickheads he gave me beers. He hung out with me. He showed me respect when he didn't have to. But mm -hmm. it just showed like he was a good human being, like like legitimately a super fucking good human being down to the core of his being. And I'll never forget that. Like I think about it all the time. Like every time Halloween comes up, I get sad. <laughs> yeah, Halloween kind of sucks. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's, it, it, it makes me sad. Like because that was that guy changed my life. Straight up, what uh, did he tell you anything, or did uh, like like what did you learn, like uh, it's like like what like what like sticks out? I would say like, I mean, just watching him every night and the way he commanded the crowd and what he did with his presence, it was just so commanding. Like just watching and observing, but I think more than anything, what I learned from him was just on a personal, like human to human level. Like he taught me like what it is to be a good human. Cause it was mm -hmm. kind of in that point where like Attila was gaining popularity. And mm -hmm. like, even though we were just the baby opening band, it's kind of like it was setting me up to where like I could kind of start getting that like little ego. And then Mitch instantly just like reset me and put me down to ground zero and was like, mm -hmm. be a good human be yeah. a good person and I was like holy shit like this is crazy I it, it was more just he taught me like what it is to be a good human and when you do rise to the top how to be a good human to other people yeah because most people aren't let's face it like there's a lot of big bands that aren't necessarily like actual good humans but he was yeah yeah he just knew how to balance that like healthy ego with being himself yeah he kept the ego on the stage yeah he just knew he had that balance on lock it was fucking crazy to see yeah he kept the ego on stage took over the whole crowd but then the second he got off the stage he was just your best friend the guy that would just give poor little me that couldn't afford a beer a beer and be Sick. like come hang out with me like That's i just want to talk to you i enjoy your presence and i was like oh my god this is crazy no one's ever been this nice to me so i don't know I learned a lot from him. It's cool, man. That, that, that was his last tour. Yeah, I know. Because we talked every single day after that tour. We talked every single day. And he literally told me, like, bro, I'm so fucking excited right now. We just got our big check from Nuclear Blast. And we oh, talked fuck. about everything, like, on the phone every day. He's like, we just got our big check from Nuclear Blast. <laughs> He's like, 
I'm fucking hyped. The first thing I'm going to do, I'm going straight to Harley. That's and what I'm, you did. I'm going to buy the most expensive bike oh, they have in the store. Like, he talked to me every day. That's exactly what he told me. And I was like, fuck yeah, man. I was like, if that's what your heart wants, I was like, bikes scare me. But that's if that's your thing, I love you. Go for it, bro. And, I mean, we we just talked every day. And also, our next tour was supposed to be together. Was it? Yeah, so our next tour was also together. Um, so we did the summer tour, and then in the fall, I believe it was, um, I believe it was asking Alexandria. You guys uh, were on that. Yeah. Really? Yeah, we were the opener for that tour too. It was like asking Alexandria and um, as I lay dying, and then look, suicide silence. Oh shit, you were on that. Well, look to the flyer. Yeah, see. Yeah, we were on that tour. So like, that's why. What the fuck? I don't remember that at all. Yeah, man. So me, me and Mitch became like best friends on the tour we did together. And then after that tour ended, we talked every single day all the time. Cause we were stoked. Cause we were going back on the road again. So we're like, fuck yeah, we get to like, we get to hang again. And then, um, and then, yeah, I mean, we were on, we were on another tour during October of this year. I forget what it was, but I'll never forget. I was in San Antonio, Texas. We were staying at someone's house. It was Halloween. I went to bed and, uh, someone shook me and woke me up and told me what happened and I was just crying all day. And that was like the only time that I think I almost like canceled a show because I like, I just couldn't hold it together. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't, like it was hard for me to play that day. It was it was fucking terrible. It's funny, like uh, just as, as the years go on and it's been, it's been only 10 years now, uh, you, you hear like stories like this, like damn, I, I don't forget who he was, but it's like, damn, it's, it's just, like the impact. It's oh, just, yeah, it's dude. Just, it's just crazy. I have it's goosebumps crazy. right now. Like, I'm not even joking at all. Like, no one has impacted my life more than he did. And it's like, we didn't get to hang out that that much, but the time we did have together, he fucking just completely changed the way I think about everything. Hmm. I'd probably be a total dick right now if it wasn't for him. <laughs> and I know people still think I'm a dick, but sure. like, you know, I've got like that, I've got that like inner Mitch in me. Like I've got the Mitch on my shoulder where it's like, hey, be nice to that. Be nice to that opening band. Like, you know, yeah. go give them a fucking case of beer. You have too much on your bus. Mm-hmm. What would Mitch do? Give them the fucking case of beer. Damn. Be nice. Shake their hands. Be kind. Mm-hmm. That's what he would do. True. So it's like, I like having him with me, I guess. In spirit, he is. He is. Do you think that? Do you think that you're misunderstood? Because it's to me, uh, highly. I, I mean, from like the outside looking in, all you know, all we have is like a tour together, a couple, and then I see that you see like these headlines. Um, I, that, it makes me think like, are, is he? He's. I think he's just misunderstood, and people just don't get it. People don't get it. Also, I think when it comes to like headlines and stuff, I think that people. People use me essentially because they know that if there's any headline that has to do with me or has my name in it, mm-hmm. the clicks are just so much higher. Um, mm-hmm. And I could just look at it, like I can look at the uh, Loudwire Instagram or the you know sure. Revolver or whatever, and it's yeah. like they'll post all this shit that gets such low engagement, and then the second they fucking post me, it boosts up, and I get what it is. It's kind of like they're gaining from me, even if they're not saying good things about me. But mm-hmm. honestly, uh, I would say as far as like the present goes, um, the past year for Attila has been phenomenal. So it has been mm-hmm. nothing but good press. But, um, you know, there, there is there's always something going on. Um, I think like right now, the biggest press I got like this month is me announcing that I'm going to become the next president. So how's that going? That got a lot of press. Um it's going good. It's just a lot of work, man, because I'm on tour right now. So, like, the, my campaign <laughs> manager is trying to, like, prep our campaign and shit and, like, get us going. But I'm, like, I'm just, like, on tour. So it's, like, I can't really, like, necessarily focus on, like, what I have to do. So, but uh, it's good. It's it's interesting. Franz, I think I think you're ready. Yeah. You're ready, man. You have, you have, you have thick, thick skin. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm, like, a, I, I think that the reason I would be a good president just comes down to the fact that I don't even like politics. (laughs) I hate it. So Mm. I'm not even trying to like do what all these other fuckers do. Like I'm just trying to do what's good for people like 
me and you and everyone watching, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it, there needs to be a real like human being president, not like a businessman or not a puppet or not like a 90 mm-hmm. year old, like dead man that is just, we don't even know what's going on anymore. Like mm-hmm. we just need a real person. And I actually make, everyone's like, you're not old enough to be president Franz. And I'm like, actually, well, technically, um, I turn uh, the right age two months before the deadline. So I'm, I'll am i be two months past the deadline to be president, and I'd be the youngest president in history. Because you're 33 now, right? Yeah. So so what's the, you so gotta what's be, the age? You got to be 35 by January 20th, 2025. So I'll be... I know it's that young. Two months past, yeah. Who's the young, youngest president? Um, Not 35. But uh, I would yeah, be who, okay. Type uh, in youngest president in, in the <laughs> world. That wouldn't work. US. Yeah, Theodore Roosevelt, forty-two, Boom. and then even John, John F. Kennedy was a young one, but he was forty-three. So forty-two, forty-three. Yeah. Wow. I would be I would be thirty-five and two months old. So I'd be the youngest president ever. So I just think it'd be good to have someone young and more in touch with like what people want, and also like politically. I just hate like I don't even like talking about politics, just to be real. But I hate the whole like you got to be like super far left or super far right. Mm -hmm. The reality is we're humans and most of us don't fall super far left or super far right. We're kind of in the middle. Like we kind of back both sides and believe in both things like to a degree of each Mm -hmm. party. So like having this, like you got to be like far this or far that I just hate that shit. So I, Mm -hmm. I, I, that's why, I mean, I just support being a libertarian and I think it's just like, people don't realize like people are like what are libertarian you kind of explain it's like oh shit that's me it's like yeah like we are we're all secretly believing in that but it's just we never get a running shot to be president so hopefully Mm -hmm. it'll change soon because i just think the the two-party system is just kind of like fucking shit up and i think people are over it because it's Mm -hmm. it's just like a pendulum swinging that just pisses the whole world off yeah yeah most humans are balanced like they they're like they're just like in the middle somewhere you know yeah, but there's nothing that represents the middle. So true. why, like, all right, vote for me, bitch. Let's okay. go. Okay, then. So this, to close off this subject, what is the first thing you're going to do as president, Franz? I would say it's pretty easy. The first thing I'm going to do is make marijuana federally legal, mm. like countrywide. It's so stupid not to. i heard the cheers yeah i mean honestly that's that's like the easiest no-brainer um just make marijuana federally legal and also um Mm -hmm. just be fair and release people that have been in prison 10 years or 15 years because they had a fucking joint or like a small bag of weed like shut up like release these people like yeah you know there's a lot of just unfairness but yeah there is I mean, I'm not, I'm not calling myself like a good person by by any means, but uh, you know, I have like um, I have mushrooms in my uh, bunk currently. Oh, I'm not, I'm not like a. You're going to jail, dude. I know, but it's just like, but it's, just like such a, it's weird because like, I'm not like yes, yeah, like my my guys. I I don't do mushrooms. This is my my, my first time. I'm 37. Oh, you've never done mushrooms? No. Oh, dude. Okay. So, so, but it's just, it's just it's such a fucked up thought. Like, I'm trying to do this to be like, okay, let's get some insight. Try to be the better person. But if, yeah. If, but it pisses me off. I'm like, wait, if I get caught with this, it'll be so silly. That <laughs> like, if it, if anything would happen to me, all oh, guards against guards are caught caught with mushrooms. What the fuck and why? I just want to try to. I was trying to. I don't dude, know, like, trying to be like a better person. I don't know. So I'm not. I'm not a psychedelic person by any means. Mm-hmm. Um. I've tripped on mushrooms once, like a full-blown trip, mm-hmm. and I got really scared and then really happy, but I absolutely love microdosing mushrooms. That's so it. that's where you take like less than half a gram. Because yeah. a full dose is going to be like 3.5, like a qu- uh, like an eighth. Mm-hmm. Ooh, don't do it. I mean, you could do it if you want. If you want to have like a – if you're in like the woods or somewhere cool around your friends, yeah. sure, go go on an enlightenment trip, but – Dude, microdosing mushrooms is probably the best thing you could do. Because if you take less than half a gram, what I do is at home, I've got mushroom chocolates that are divided chocolates? like a Hers- Hershey bar. Sick. And um, <laughs> if you just take one little square off that chocolate, that's a microdose. Literally a microdose of shrooms, you won't, f- you won't trip at all. 
you'll barely feel anything. The only mm -hmm. thing that'll happen is you're just going to smile more all day for no fucking reason. That's it. Yeah. You won't trip. You're just going to smile more and laugh more. And you just won't even know why. And mm -hmm. you won't feel like you're tripping, but it just makes you enjoy life better in the moment. Mm. And smile more and laugh more. That's it. Nice. Microdose. My, Do it. A microdose is sick. I I don't count that as, as the trip. I, I have done that a couple of times. And someone put on Daddy from, from Corn. Oh, that's the sickest thing ever. <laughs> Eli's like, damn. New, if you hear new metal when you're tripping or a little, little bit of something, it's pretty sick. It's pretty fucking sick, man. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here we go. TNT. This is the other good flavor out of pack two. So, just to make it people aware, uh, so about that life, that's your fifth record or fourth? Fuck. I forgot. Google it's it. It's fifth. It's fifth. <laughs> okay, so. No, it's either fourth or fifth because we kind of don't. Um, we kind of don't count. Um, you don't count the first one. We huh? kind of don't count fallacy, but that yeah. should count. So I mean, I count it personally. So one, two, three, four. Oh wait, it was pulled up. One, two, three, four. So this, so this is how I, there it I is. count it. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. So I, I say fifth, but I think it's just like I'm the only person that did fallacy. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think it counts. Yeah. Same. So, yeah, no, fifth, um, About That Life's our fifth album, came out in 2013, and now we are celebrating 10 years of About That Life. Um, the tour is almost done. I think we've got, like, two weeks left, uh, two weeks left, maybe a little less, but the tour has been incredible, probably one of our best tours in the past, like, five, six years, easily, hands down, Um Great lineup, great people on the tour, but overall, it's just a lot of people that are stoked about an album that changed their life 10 years ago, for better or the worse. Mostly for the better. Yeah. Yeah, if people don't like your band, who cares? Oh, I don't care at all. It's Good. like, it just, if you don't like my band, just talk about us. And that's what people do. They they don't realize, like, if you, oh, I almost missed that mic flip. <laughs> <laughs> I almost fucked that shit up. Um, people don't realize, like, if you don't like someone and you want them to go away, just shut up. Don't talk about them. But the second you start talking about them more, even mm -hmm. if it's in a hateful way, you're just reminding everyone about us. And a mm -hmm. lot of the people that are reading your shit don't realize you don't realize that they actually do fuck with us and like us. Mm -hmm. So you're helping us. Yeah. It's kind of like reminds me. OK, here we go. Here's going to be the news headline because uh, Buddy Nielsen just did his thing. Here's something that Buddy Nielsen doesn't know. When we played Warp Tour together and he dedicated his set to talking shit about Attila, they, ha they would have like 25 minutes and like 15 of it was just talking shit about me. What he doesn't know, I made so much money on that tour from him because people would come to my tent and say, I never heard of your band until Buddy Nielsen from Census Failed did a speech talking shit about you. <laughs> so I ran to the stage to see what was so bad about. I ran to your stage to see what was so bad about you. And I fell in love with your band and your music and your charisma. And so I had to buy your shirts. So like, um, like he... I don't think he knows that, but he helped me so much because every single day someone would come up to me and say, never heard of you. I fucking never heard of Attila or Franz, but Buddy Nielsen kept talking about you and uh, I had to see why you were so fucking bad and I fucking love your music and I bought a shirt and I bought a Stay Sick shirt wow. too and I'm here to hang out. And it's like, I'm like, dude, hate, hate is so nice. It helps so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. But yeah, no. I haven't talked to Buddy in years, and um, apparently, according to the podcast he just did, we squashed the beef. So I'm, oh, I'm I'm cool with that. I don't sick. I don't care at all. I I love everyone, and I told Buddy to his face when I first met him that I love Senses Fail and grew up listening to his music and appreciate what he does. And 
I mean, I don't care. I'm, I, I also don't hold grudges, and I'm not a negative person, so I don't even have any Great. negative bones in my body. I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, you can't have grudges, man. No. No, not at him, all. Let, let them, like, do their thing for five years, and then it's time to drop it. I think after five years, you're good, right? Yeah. It's good, like. Yeah. So you have, you have time for the fill the beef, and then once it passes, you're just fucking. What, but what started it, though? Um, what started it? So he he didn't like that I use the F word in my songs. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I explained to him, well, I was like, I don't use it in a derogatory way. I use it in an empowering way because growing up with the fucking voice I have, I was called the F word all the time. And mm-hmm. people just were derogatory towards me my whole life. And yeah. then um, I wrote a song where I said, who's the F word now? And that's, I guess, what blew up his, uh, his temper. But mm. I explained to him in person that it was me. It was like a term of empowerment saying, like, all these people called me that. But what are you doing in your life now? Because you're working at the middle of the mall and I'm touring the world with my friends. Mm-hmm. It was nothing to do with sexuality um, and it never was. It's just something that got misconstrued because I think it's easy to kind of just poke at us and, and kind of pick out what you would like to pick out and hate us for whatever. But when you know the true context of it, it's kind of like, yeah, this was never said in an offensive way. But uh, mm-hmm. but long story short, I thought him and I squashed the beef day one of Warp Tour because we met up, we hugged. I thought that was it. And then he talked about me on stage every day for 45 days. What the fuck? Yeah. Sick. So it just turned, it turned into this like massive fucking thing for like no reason. Cause I thought we handled it, but whatever it's a long, long gone and done. And it's, it's all good. What year was that? I love everyone. Probably 2015 or 2016. Mm -hmm. One of those years. And, uh, you were known, especially on that on that tour, like you were known in like, like one of the only band. First of all, there's a lot of bands on on, on that fucking tour. You're you're one of the only guys getting up in the morning. Yeah, getting breakfast with everyone, setting up the tent. That's why Kevin Lyman uh, wanted me to buy Warp Tour and take it over. He was like, "You're the only band person I've ever seen that literally wakes up." every single morning and gets breakfast and oh. is setting up your tent at 8 a.m. There's not a single band member that that does that. And I just, I put my work ethic and, and, and my business above anything. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I would party on Warp Tour. I would drink. I would hang out with everyone. But I would just make sure that, you know, I go to bed by 10 or 11, like be responsible, like wake up. I got to get my shit done. Like I've got a family to provide for. I've got to sling my stay sick clothes and make shit happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, I heard a saying. And uh, it's part of sums up our, our life pretty much. If you want to hang out with the owls, you got to be willing to get up with the, with the birds. <laughs> and uh, that's that's kind of like that's kind of like, like a punishment I'll do to myself. I haven't I haven't heard that one. That's yeah. funny so though. This was recent, like maybe like two months ago. Someone told me that. Like that's literally what <laughs> I do. Because sometimes you hang out late or like you go out. Even if you're going out for no drinks or drinks, like if I drink right now, I'm going to get up at a certain time, go to the gym, hungover. And punish myself, but you're still gonna get get work done. You have to. If you want to do this, well, you still you still gotta do this. Let's yep. mean, mean go out at night, and then oh wait, I won't get up early in the morning. Yeah. No, 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 no. If you want to do this, you still have to do this. Especially, but the thing is, even more so, like if you're a musician, it's you're even you're already in like a lazy fucking group of people. So, so, so the fact that you can even party and then still get up in the morning, like that's that that sets you apart from. A lot of I I I will say nine ninety five percent. Oh yeah, easy. And that's why Kevin Lyman was shocked. He would just look at me like you're a fucking animal. Because how are you doing this? And I'm like, I'm driven. Like I've gotta I've gotta mm-hmm. succeed. If I don't succeed, that's it. I've got a family. You know, got shit to provide for. Like besides myself. So mm-hmm. I I yeah I, I hustled my ass off on that tour, and it it was it was great. It was good times. Mm-hmm. It was worth it. Yeah, you know, just to start something new, like you're, you're going to eat shit for two years, three years, and finally, like, someone starts really, a lot of people start buying, like, you know, stay, stay stick, stay stick uh, merch. Like, I'm almost fucking broke for two, three years, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I, cool. I, I always tell people, like, because everyone, 
they see the success of something, but they don't see the hard work that you put in. But I always mm-hmm. tell people, when I started Stay Sick Clothing, um, I ate shit for two years and I didn't make any money, like mm-hmm. uh, nothing at all. And then like, because I was so persistent and I never gave up or quit on it after two years, it was like, pew, pop off, blow up. So shit got big and, you know, then it was just like, cool. It's because I stayed consistent. And that's the biggest thing I tell people when you're starting a business or a band or whatever, because a lot of people are like, why is my band not blowing up? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, all right, how long have you been a band? One year. I'm like, (laughs) you know that Attila didn't make a single penny for like seven years. Like we started when I was 14 and I think I got the first penny when I was like 20 or 21. Mm. And I'll never forget that moment because our tour manager handed me an envelope and I opened it and saw cash and I handed it back to him. And I said, what the fuck is this? And he's like, you guys made money. And I'm like, you don't make money from being in a band. So why did you just hand me money? And he was like, yeah, you guys made money on this tour. Like everything's paid. Here you go. And I was like, what the fuck? I got to get a bank account now. Like, what is this? Like, I was just playing music because I loved it. Yeah. I didn't know you made money, but people just have that reverse mentality where they're f- so heavily focused on money and mm-hmm. success that they forget that it's all stemmed from passion. So if you don't have passion, persistence, perseverance, you're never going to get the money and the success. Yes. So you got to reverse your mindset and kind of go backwards with it. It is a backwards way of thinking. It is. Like, let's say what gets you like the success or money, it's like a backwards way. Don't focus on it for a, a while and make sure your your passion is fucking unlocked. Focus on your passion and everything else will follow. If you're good mm-hmm. at what you do and you're genuine and you're not lying or faking, mm-hmm. you're going to succeed. It'll happen. Agreed. What, what, what happened to the uh, big six? Um, so the big six essentially um, just, it was turning, like, I thought it was just going to be like this, like, fun like small studio project and it was turning into something that was so like like so many plans and so time consuming and um I just got way too caught up with a lot of things going on in my life specifically Attila um I had a new baby um I started four LLCs this year like I'm so busy with everything I'm doing I don't have time to like full-time commit it's like Mm -hmm. having another girlfriend when you're already like (laughs) you're just already overwhelmed like so yeah yeah me and me and joe dropped out and they became something else Mm, that's it huh it's busy as fuck yeah it's good it seemed like a cool cool idea can can i be honest with you okay so uh yeah when i when i saw the big six i'm like you're not gonna include your boys over here (laughs) <laughs> you're not, not going to include Eddie or come on. Come yeah, come on, on come man. On, Where's on. Eddie, man? Come on. Put, put, put him in there. I mean, it all just started because, um, like, it was like half of the people in that photo, it was like half of us, like, in a room. Uh, they came to our Salt Lake City show, and, and I was, like, kind of just, ri- like, talking about shit and being like, yeah, man, like, I've always fun. I've always wanted to have, like, a boy band. But like instead of like in sync, it's just all like deathcore screamers. And I was like, that'd be sick. And then um uh Tyler was like, actually, like, I'm already like planning something like that. You wanna be in it? And I'm like, uh yeah, duh. Cause like I already like have this same vision, so let's nice. fucking run it. So yeah. That that's it. Isn't uh isn't in sync back? They are. That's that's heavy, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's heavy as fuck. Yeah, they're back, and uh, Joey Fatone's my next-door neighbor. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's my next-door neighbor, so when I go on my Are bike ride every day, I ride my bike by his house. You ever seen him outside, Sean? Hey, what's, what's up, dude? Actually, no, and I'm surprised, because I ride my bike a lot, and I've never fucking seen him, but we have a lot of mutual friends, because, I mean, we live in the same fucking town, so. Yeah, what made you move from uh, Georgia to Florida? So... I moved from Georgia to Florida when I was like 20. So it was when I was having my first son. Mm -hmm. And um, honestly, it just Orlando seemed like a good place to raise a family. Mm -hmm. And my baby mom at the time has um, like had grown up around there. So moved to Florida and I love it. Also, I was born in Florida. So it was like I was born in South Florida near Miami. Mm -hmm. Lived there for like two years or so, two or three years. Grew up my whole life in Atlanta area where I was raised 
And then I kind of went back and it just felt natural. I love Florida. Florida is my favorite state in the country. And I, I just, I feel very at home there. Hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't know if you were born there in Florida. Yeah. Shit. It's, it's, it's Wikipedia wrong again. God, well, so being, being born in Florida is super rare, by the way. Like, is it really? Yeah. Cause like, I, I mean, so let me just give you a statistic. Um, when the pandemic started, I mean, we're in California right now. This is the most strict state during the pandemic, right? Yeah. Florida. It sucked. We had like, we had our shutdown and everyone abided and this and that. But then after our shutdown, every single business opened and everyone could do whatever the fuck they wanted during the whole pandemic. Mm-hmm. You guys were locked down in California for like years, it felt like. Yeah. But for us, it was like it sucked. every business was open. You could do anything you want. Like, I went to Daytona once, and there was people just, no one wore masks at ever. Like, no one in Florida was wearing masks. People were smoking cigs indoors. But the most fucked up thing is that (laughs) this is where where it's fucked. We had the least amount of COVID cases out of any state in the U.S. Like, we, there was no, like, there was barely any COVID in Florida, and we were the least restricted. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, no, uh, shit was wild. Uh, fuck. I'm trying to remember what I was just going to say. Uh, um, no, I just, uh, uh, oh, this is a, a statistic. So since the pandemic happened, um, Florida is actually the most immigrated to state in all of the U.S. So there's... Really? Yeah. So just like immigrated, meaning not like international, but just within United States of America, Florida mm. is the most immigrated state. Like everyone immigrates to Florida and our shit is blowing up. So like, it's cool if you own a home already. Um, but for people trying to come to Florida, it's kind of fucked. Cause like the prices are so damn high right now. So especially after post COVID, a lot of people are going to either either Florida or like, or like Austin, Texas. Cause like, think about it. People, people were stuck somewhere and, um, Yeah. Florida ranked number one in domestic migration. So wow, yeah. So everyone is coming to Florida. Yeah, dude. So Florida's blowing the fuck up because everyone's like, "Damn, like my state's strict. Like I want to live my life. Like I want to do shit. I want to go have fun and and run my business." And and so everyone's just coming to Florida. Number two in international. Wild. Yeah, that so, is really wild. Thank thank goodness I got my home in 2015. If not, there's no fucking way I'd be able to afford that shit. <laughs> yeah, well, Everything's blowing up. Well, Franz, you're always a, a forward thinker, you know. And people don't know about about your band is uh, you guys kind of blew up on your fifth record, which is odd. Yeah, it's it's very odd. Very odd. O- obviously, when uh, we were hanging out, uh, that was like you're kind of like the last of your fourth record. Yep, I want to say and. Uh, just I'm 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 gonna be honest. So I love you. I love Spencer from Iceland Kills. I I watch Iceland Kills. This band fucking sucks. And you guys, I'm like, what what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and to see your two bands just grow into what what you guys work hard for, it's it is it is unreal. Yeah, it is unreal, dude. To see like this, I saw it for a month. I'm like, this is kind of not the sickest, but but, yeah. but but Mitch saw something in you and uh, and, and Spencer as well. I'm like, but you guys became your your bands. Yeah. How how was like? Because Chris joins in 2008, and it seems there was there's a shift there. What was like? What, was there a switch? Because obviously that tour was in 2012, and then uh, about that life drops 2013 early. Yeah, I would say like honestly, what just happened was. Um, we were recording with Joey Sturgis mm-hmm. when Joey Sturgis was like, you know, like the guy you had to go to. Yeah. Um, and we recorded uh, with Joey Sturgis. Uh, our first album with him was when he still lived in Connorsville, Indiana, which is the middle of bumfuck nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like absolute, like the nearest Starbucks is like an hour and a half away type shit. Wild. But um, then Joey Sturgis for about that life when we recorded with him, he moved, he started getting like some fucking money. So he rented a mansion in Detroit, which it's Detroit. So a man, <laughs> I mean, it's not that expensive to get a mansion there. No offense, but I mean, at least not in 2000, like fucking, you know, 12 or 13 when we recorded, but yeah, 
he had a mansion in Detroit. So it was kind of like, it was the height of when Attila was at our craziest, like as people, like we were just crazy fucking people, but also we got sent to a mansion. Oh my goodness. So we're in this like gangster mansion. Um, (laughs) and we're also at our peak, like party phase where we're just wild as shit. And so about that life is just a product of like so much like crazy, I don't know, drugs, alcohol, you name it, like everything was happening and we were just grinding and recording and making whatever the fuck we wanted and no one could tell us anything. Like we just were there like unapologetically raw and then About That Life was born. Is that It it makes sense when you think about it, you know? Put some crazy fucking like wild dudes from Atlanta in a mansion in Detroit (laughs) and give us like unlimited (laughs) access to all this crazy shit and we're just like, yeah, about that life. Let's fucking go. Like, we're like, let's just be crazy. So like what we were living in real life was actually like being portrayed through the album. Hmm. What was like, uh, what was the uh, writing process for, for that particular record? I don't remember anything. Really? <laughs> no, dude. Wow. Are you serious? <laughs> no, dude. That's sick. Yeah. Okay. I remember nothing. Okay. We so, were partying too hard. Do you think, I, I personally believe this, I think there's an element that people don't like about some music that it's just part of like the ingredient to make music that people love. Yeah. Like you need like out of control people. Yeah. You know? Like, and we were out of control. I know that we did have a lot of the music pre-pro in advance, which mm-hmm. we did in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, no, we were just wild and we would improv shit. Like we would like middle fingers up. Um, we wrote middle fingers up with a deck of cards Excuse me? Yeah. What, what so do you mean? basically, um, you would take out like a certain number of cards and keep like face cards and keep like cards like one through four or something. And what you would do is um, um, you would randomly draw a card. We would each pick one out. And mm-hmm. like a jack would be a bend, like a bow. And then like, um, like, a king would be like a slide or something. And then like a one would be like a dent. And then a like a a three would be a dent. So we just drew cards and threw the cards on the floor. And then that's how Middle Fingers Up was written. We just drew cards. What? I don't, no one's ever, ever known that actually. It's pretty cool. What are you, are you serious? Yeah. We made a song with a deck of cards. Whose idea was that? Uh, I think it was Joey's idea. The deck of cards. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the uh, what the, the the jack was a wow. Yeah, like one certain face cards would be like a wow or like a bow or like a you know or like a boo. Each each card represented a different thing, and then mm. obviously like the That's number sick. cards would be like dent 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 dent. But we would have to follow the cards. So we each just got to pick out a card and create a song. Wow. And it's one of our biggest songs ever. It we is. We just wrote it with a deck of cards. Where did it, what happened to your, your band? Because it seems like from the outside, because like a, from experience, like a, a certain type of lifestyle is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like, I don't know where, it kind of seems like you came out with this EP and like it felt like a, a new band. Yeah. It was like, what was this? Was did, did, did something happen? Was there a talk? Was like you guys, some of you guys got a more straight head on your shoulders? Like what? Like, like what, what happened? A lot of that. Um, so Otilla's been unsigned for probably like four or five years now. Hmm. And essentially, um, our guitarist, Chris, is one of like the best rock producers in the world right now he's fucking phenomenal everything he touches turns to gold so mm-hmm. we started self-producing so now um we just write music with ourselves and our so when i say change of style you have to keep in mind we have an ep out we've got like four or five songs out but we have like 20 more songs in the chamber so we have 
burp. We have like two of the heaviest deathcore songs ever right now. Like, but we haven't dropped those yet. We're kind of keeping those nice. in the chamber. We're kind of keeping those in the chamber because, like, since we're releasing these songs where I'm actually doing clean singing on the choruses, we're kind of mm-hmm. waiting for people to, like, talk even more shit and be like, fuck, this is not heavy. So that way we could just, like, double blast them with, like, a shotgun to the face and be like, all right, here's the deathcore songs. This is, might be where you want the reaction, but you're not going to get it because people actually are, are loving this stuff. It took it took yeah. you, Vrons, it, it took you a career... It feels like people are starting to come around and like respect the time. Yeah, and like this, this came out. And it's, it's like people are talking about you like a other band. It's crazy. Oh yeah, it's like we're it's a weird. different band with the same name. Um, but yeah, like it comes down to just us maturing. Um, we're all older now. Like, like I said about that life, we were crazy, like doing drugs, wild shit, whatever. Blah blah blah. That was very real to what we were doing. Now we're mature. Like we're all in our thirties. Like. We've got kids and shit. Like, we're not, I'm not going to sing about like fucking orgies and, and drugs because I'm not doing any of that shit anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not authentic. So, everything I'm yeah. singing about now is authentic, but also we're self producing. We have no one telling us what to do mm-hmm. or trying to force us to be a certain way. Yeah. So, we're doing music that to us is 100% authentic. And for the first time in our career, um, we're getting a lot of recognition from people we didn't think we would like interesting xm octane radio we're played like five six times a day on octane radio it's fucking nuts like jose mangan loves us and it's like we've been a band forever but now we're finally catching people's attention in a different way and that's what we're getting all the danny wimmer festivals like which we've gotten a couple in the past but now we're getting all of them which is something i'm super thankful for because when it comes down to it i would say no one's ever believed in attila except for attila us yeah yeah but now like danny wimmer jose mangan the whole team at octane like Hmm. they believe in us and it's cool to finally have someone that believes in us so it was just chris producing and maybe put in more time maybe it's more 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 focus like, well, like, yeah, uh, I mean, Chris is a full-time producer. That's his full-time gig now. Hmm. Like, it, when he's not produ- uh, when he's not on tour with us, like right now, mm-hmm. he's producing full-time. The second he lands in Atlanta, he's getting right back on a plane. Or, sorry, the tour ends in Atlanta. But the second mm-hmm. the tour's over, he's going on a plane and coming right back to L.A., to the studio um, in L.A. that him and Tyler Carter are starting. That's and great. He's just going to be recording nonstop. Like, that's all he does is record and produce. That's sick. Well, Franz, unfortunately, I have limited time. So I, I, I got to ask you, what, uh, what's, what are some regrets in your career? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ooh, damn, that's a deep one. No one's ever asked me what my regrets are. Um, Damn. I feel like, I feel like my answers might offend people. (laughs) Um, Well, well, you're at the one place where you'll probably say that. I really like our album Chaos, but I think it came out at the wrong time. I think that should have been later down the road. Mm. Um, so it's not like I regret that. I, I think it's a phenomenal album. I think it was just wrong place, wrong time. Mm. It happens, dude. Sucks. You know, I it mean, does you happen. like not to call you out, but you've had a Suicide Silence album where you probably felt that way. Um, of course, yeah. Wrong place, wrong time. Wrong you know? place, wrong time, wrong wrong mindset. Like, I, yeah. I love this album, and I think it's cool, but wrong place, wrong time. Um, hmm. You know, I mean, that's what it comes down to. But other than that, I would say I don't really have any regrets at all in Attila's career because um, it, it's 
you know, life is waves. Like, there's no such thing as just this. You're not going to just fucking go up forever. Life is waves. You're going to go like this, like it this. It is. It's just, are you strong enough to withstand the waves and keep fucking rocking? And we are. 100%. So here we are. Some waves are, some. sometimes you get fucking battered by a crazy wave. You're like, fuck, how am I going to get out of this one? Yeah. And then you do. It's weird. Yeah. And you got, you, got, you got to respect people that have gone through the, the wave, dude. Yeah. You know, because so many times you, you just want to quit. So, That's yeah. the thing. Most people do quit. They get beaten down by a wave and they're going down and they're just like, fuck it, done. But you can't quit. If you don't fucking quit, you'll never lose. Got to keep going forever. Damn it. That, that is true. Cheers. Cheers, man. <laughs> well, Franz, it was great. To, I wish I had, I had, I had more, more, more time. But uh, once you're set time. Uh, I play at 9.40. What time is it? Eh, it's 8.33. That's sick as fuck. <laughs> make, it, <laughs> make it in time? Yeah, no, I'm, I'll, I'll make it in time. Yeah, no, I'm, I could just, like, talk forever. I'm just, oh. you know, I'm that dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, Franz, any, uh, I never asked this before, any closing thoughts? Any closing thoughts? Um, I would just say, um, um, Love you in Suicide Silence. Hopefully we can tour together again soon. Let's do That'd it. That'd be great. Um, closing thoughts, I would say, just be on the lookout for new Attila music because we have so much new material. And it does, a lot of it is super heavy. It's all over the place. It's really just a big mix of music. But be on the lookout for new Attila music. And it looks like next year in 2024, we're going to do a co-headliner with Born of Osiris in the US So and probably also in Europe. So... Be, be on the lookout and come see us because we're always on tour. We play every city in the world. Oh, yeah. There's our Instagram. Give us a follow. We're friendly people. Come say hi. And, uh, yeah, that's probably about it. The misunderstood fronds. <laughs> the misunderstood fronds. <laughs> beow, beow, beow. Well, have, have a, a safe rest of the uh, tour. And it's, it's, good. It's, it's good to see you, man. Yeah. All right, good man. to see you, man. All right. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's it. Later. Later.